The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Oh my gosh, this song, I mean, it makes my heart race. It just brings me right back, and I'm really dating myself now, but that song, Pat Benatar, by the way, that was Pat Benatar, Heartbreaker, (laughs) for those of you who weren't born yet. I had that record, I think it was a 45, and I played it on repeat in my bedroom, night and day, and I don't know, I had to have been in maybe elementary or middle school, maybe, but I would perform it. In my bedroom, hour after hour, just like feeling that song and performing it and dancing and moving. And that was my solution. That's how I learned to exercise. Like that was exercise. I would finish doing that and I would feel the way I feel now when I do the right exercise. So here's what I mean by that. Exercise should transport you. It should make you feel invincible. It should make you lose track of time. It should make you feel like you can freaking do anything and that you're a superhero. And that's how I would feel when I was a young girl dancing in my bedroom and lip syncing and putting moves to the music as a kid. And I didn't know it was exercise then. I just knew how it made me feel. I would do that for hours and hours and hours. And I wasn't a good athlete and I wasn't great at dance and I wasn't You know, I was never first picked on the playground. I didn't excel at gymnastics or any of those things, but I freaking loved dancing and moving and putting moves together with the music. And it wasn't until later in my life when I was, you know, at that stage where you realize your weight, right? Like you're aware of how much you weigh and you're aware of what other people look like. And you start looking at your family and you start looking at other people's families. You start looking in the mirror. And I just remember having this realization that I, on both sides of my family, had a lot of people who were struggling with their weight. And the one thing they all had in common, it didn't matter whether it was on my mom's side or my dad's side. The one thing they all had in common is the heaviest of these people were always on a diet. So I created this link between dieting and obesity in my own head. Like the message I formed in my own head was, if you diet, you're going to be overweight. And so I was deathly afraid of dieting. Like dieting took on a very negative connotation for me. At about the same time, my mom and also an aunt of mine were doing jazzercise and they looked amazing and they were happy. And I watched just like rooms full of people come together. And what's interesting about jazzercise is it's dancing around, putting particular moves to a particular beat of the music. And I just noticed all this happiness and I noticed strength and power and confidence. And that for me was my solution. And it has been my solution. And it is how many people know me, have come to know me through fitness and have come to associate my programs as programs that match the music. What I think many people don't realize is that that was my solution. And if you're an entrepreneur, 
you are always looking to share solutions. When you share your solutions, you are able to turn your passion into profits. You can turn something that feels like a problem into a solution. And that solution can be a solution for a lot of other people. So ironically, the business that has made me the most money, my fitness business, and initially anyways, of course, now we're doing a lot of online coaching and teaching people how to build their own businesses. And the income that Brett and I today earn helping others build their own businesses has far surpassed what we earned in the fitness industry. And that's kind of like here or there. That really doesn't matter. What does matter is solutions. You have to find solutions for people. And when you find a solution for people, you've got to share it. People always say, what are you going to do next? And I always answer, I don't know and I'm not worried about it. Whatever tough thing that I'm going through, I will then share whatever solution I stumble upon. And that's what I'll be doing. I will always be sharing my answers. And for me, fitness became a solution. And for me, putting moves to music became a solution that ended up helping hundreds of thousands, millions of people to lose weight and stay in shape. The first program that Brett and I ever created was called Turbo Kick. And that program ended up reaching hundreds of thousands of people in their health clubs. I created a business where instructors would learn the moves and put it to the music that I choreographed it. And then they would teach it in their health clubs. But for me, it didn't start with fitness. It started with a problem, a problem that I didn't want to diet. I was looking at my genetics, the people on both sides of my family and feeling a little discouraged, knowing that I was never going to be incredibly athletic and that I didn't want to diet. And I also didn't want to struggle with my weight. I wanted to find something that just made me feel alive made me feel like I was having an experience, made me just forget about anything that was bothering me before I did it. And that is what so many people have experienced, not just through my program, but other programs that combine dance and movement that actually matches the movement. That program went on to become a number one hit on TV, Turbo Jam. Ultimately, we sold millions of DVDs. And you know what? People didn't buy that exercise program because of the number of workouts that were included in the set. They didn't buy it because of the detailed nutritional plan that came with it. They didn't buy it because the music that was in it. They bought that program when they heard my story, when they heard your story, when they heard the stories of other people who described what life was like before they had found their soulmate workout and what they felt like how depressed they felt, how defeated, how unworthy and unattractive they felt, and how all of that could change almost instantly by finding their soulmate workout. Ultimately, people don't buy things based solely on features, meaning what are the ingredients and how many workouts are included and et cetera, et cetera. We take action. We move. We decide to make a change in our lives when we are inspired by another person's story. And your story matters. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you're working in an office building, or you're leading a team of people, all of us have influence. And we have influence over people who matter to us, especially the people that we care about. Those are people who we have influence over. And influence is a lot of times considered sales. Like I have to sell my children on the idea that they want to hang out with good kids. I have to sell my kids on the idea that they want to put 
healthy food and nutrition into their bodies. Selling, influencing, they are two very different things. And one is much more powerful than the other. And that is, of course, influence. So how do we get people to change? How do we get people to do something other than just telling them what to do, showing them statistics and facts and data, and then laying it out in front of them and asking them to make a decision. How do we do that? Because we know that does not work. It doesn't work with the people that we love. It doesn't work with us. It just doesn't work. That is called selling. And we know that selling doesn't work. I don't want to be sold to. You don't want to be sold to. The minute we feel like we're being sold to, our defenses raise. We're off put and we're already thinking, don't you even try it. I've already decided I'm not hearing you. You are a person of influence. You need to influence your boss, your partner, your friends, the people you care about. And the best way to influence people is not ever by telling them what to do, but to use your story. The story in which you share that dark place just before you found the solution. Absolutely anything you want other people to know because it will save them time and heartache and pain and financial strain. You can tell people there's a better way or you can simply share your story, no matter what that is. In order for us to get people to move, in order for any of us to make a change in our lives, it requires the presence of emotion. And how do you trigger emotion with statistics and data and facts? Well, it can happen, but nothing engages our emotions more than story. Story is how we engage the imagination of the listener. It's how we allow them to make decisions on their own that feel as though they're making the right decision for themselves, regardless of what you want them to do. Because stories go beyond facts and theories and data. Stories actually reveal something about you, and it allows you to connect with the listener in a very personal way where they actually are intertwining as they're listening. They're intertwining your story with their own story. They're forming a new story in their head. And that's how stories allow us to be conversational in our influence. You see, I think a lot of people struggle with getting other people that we love to do what we know is best for them. You know, whether you are the leader in your organization or in your home or at the workplace, there are things you know are in the best interest of others. And how do we get people to do that without pinching their heads off? We do that not by selling, not by lecturing, not by dictating. We do that by having conversations. Conversations that stimulate people to react and to tell their own stories in their minds as you're sharing yours. Stories are memorable. People don't always latch onto the facts and figures and the advice that we're giving them. But I believe, personally, many of us have been carrying a story around with us for years that is a false story. It's illogical. It's a story in which you are not the hero, and that's why you may be struggling with telling your own story, because in your story, you're not the person who gets to win in the end, because maybe you don't like the moral of your story. So today, I want to challenge you to rewrite your story. I want to challenge you to think about a story you've been carrying with you, perhaps for decades, a story that perhaps you started telling yourself as a child that is no longer serving you. In fact, it may be holding you back. And today, I want you to examine those thoughts, those beliefs, those stories you've been telling yourself and give yourself permission to rewrite the story. You see, 
I grew up the daughter of a serial entrepreneur. My parents, as we were growing up, had clothing stores, tool store, antique store. My dad liquidated big businesses when they went out of business. He had those big events, remember, at giant convention centers where they would go, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. He did those, anything you can think of, any way to make money, my dad probably did it. So from the time we were really young, I can say that I had the advantage of having someone who was always teaching me about business. You know, as children, if we wanted something, my dad would never say, we're, we're broke or we're poor. What do you think? Money grows on trees? Like I hear a lot of people saying. Instead, my dad would say, I love it. How much does it cost? Great. Let's come up with a plan and figure out a way that you can make that money. And we started having little businesses from the time we were very young and saving that money and building a respect and awareness, not just for money, but for our ability to create it ourselves. And it was very powerful. And I was proud of myself because I wasn't good at very many things. I wasn't good at gymnastics or softball or basketball or or athletics. I wasn't good at the things that I saw other kids doing, but I knew I was really good at coming up with ways to make money, even as a kid. And it got my dad's attention and I felt so proud and I felt so mature. And it just was a really important part of my childhood. And I learned so much from them both. But when I was 12, my parents had a fire. One of their businesses was burnt to the ground and they didn't have business insurance. And I'll never forget my dad calling me into his office. And we lived in this big old Victorian mansion. Like it was a mansion, a rundown dilapidated mansion. And that too was a business idea that my parents had to restore this old haunted house into its original condition. And it was kind of a scary place to live in as a kid. And I'll just never forget walking down those creaky wood planks into his office and sitting in his big leather chair. And then he knelt down in front of me and he was holding a little tiny blue book. That little blue book was my bank book. And my dad looked at me and he said, Shalene, do you know what interest is? I said, no. He said, well, interest is a way for you to make money with your money. You see, if someone needs to borrow money from you and you have that money to loan them, you can loan them the money and then they will pay you more money in return. And you see, your mother and I, we've had this fire and everything's going to be okay, but we would like to borrow your money and we're going to pay you back with interest. And this is what that will look like. And he went on to detail that arrangement. And that was my dad's noble attempt to teach me, again, something about business, to teach me about interest. It was also his way of borrowing my money and being honest about it. I mean, I was a kid. They kept my bank book. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known. And there were a lot of lessons I took away from that experience. But I just remember thinking to myself, wow, here I am 12 and I'm kind of saving my family right now. I'm like, I'm saving the day. This must be why I'm here. This must be what's special about me. This must be why I'm valuable. This must be what makes me worthy. And I really didn't see anything else ever after that day about me that was as special as my ability to save the day with money. I know that wasn't the message my dad intended for me to take away, but that was a story 
I continued to tell myself for years. And it really sparked a fire in me. Like hustle with a capital H was my middle name. I started businesses in high school that helped, you know, raise money for my senior class. I earned enough money to put myself through college. I had all these different business ideas from flipping cars to a auto consignment lot that I had in the state of Michigan. I started personal training businesses and I wrote how-to books on how to start your own personal training business. And I started Powder Blue Productions and I created a certification company and then an apparel company and then a motivational camp. And I was doing all these things. And every time everything had to be bigger because I didn't want that feeling to ever go away. I didn't ever want to feel like I wasn't valuable. I personally didn't feel like I was good enough or there was anything special about me except for this unique ability that I had to save the day. And I would work myself to the ground because the only thing I could do was more. I mean, I couldn't earn less each year. I had to earn more each year and I had to help more people make money or I felt like I was going down in my own personal value. I mean, you're only as good as your last thing. And eventually, Turbo Jam, Turbo Kick, caught the attention of infomercial companies. And we signed a deal with Beachbody. Beachbody at the time wasn't the biggest. And as a matter of fact, they were in trouble. Shortly after we signed our deal, they ended up laying off tons of people that I had just met. They were new on the scene. They had Power 90 and I think Slim and Six. And then we started working on Turbo Jam. And I have to tell you, and you've probably already figured it out, what was most exciting, most exhilarating for me was an opportunity to again prove my worth and save the day. That's what I do. So not only was I running my own company with Brett and an apparel line and fitness camps and creating music for all these different programs now because we had Payo and Hip Hop Hustle and Turbo Kick and now I was creating workouts for Turbo Jam and I was doing all this all myself because I couldn't let anybody else take credit because then I might not be valuable. And so I was doing all of these things and there was really no way to work any harder. I just had to work more. And so I started working more hours and sleeping fewer. And then that first check came, our first month's royalties. And I went to the mailbox and I was nervous. I wasn't excited. I was really nervous to open up that envelope. And I opened it up and there it was, a number I had never seen before, a number that represented more than the money we used to buy our first home. It was a big, big check. And it was just amazing to see Brett's face. He was so excited. He was so proud. He was so relieved. Like this was really going to help us. This was going to help so many people. And I thought for a moment about the folks at Beachbody and how this was, maybe here I was saving the day. Maybe they could hire some of those people back. But in a moment, uh, I went from feeling elated and happy to sick, really. I mean, my stomach dropped and I felt shaky and faint. And I remember laying down on the couch and pretending that I was just overwhelmed with joy. But the honest truth was I was so scared, so scared. Because in my mind, I didn't know how I would ever maintain this, let alone top it. It was a scary feeling. 
I didn't have much left in me, but I didn't have any other choice because in my mind, this is how I was valuable. So the only option I had in my mind was to keep that story going and to work more and to work harder and to be creative and to create another program that could outdo this program. And I did, man, I poured my heart and soul into my next program, which was Shaleen Extreme. And some of you have done that program and you've had amazing results. As I always say, that program freaking works. It's legit. It works. And people have had amazing results from it. And a lot of people have done that program. However, that program did not work on TV. Beachbody, try as they might. And let me tell you, they dumped millions into trying to make the Shaleen Extreme infomercial work. But people would see it on TV and they didn't pick up the phone. So now you can imagine what I was feeling. And the people would say to me, like, I'm getting amazing results on it. I, I, it's changed my life. I couldn't hear any of that. I couldn't receive any of that. Because all I could feel was worthless. Because the story I'd always told myself was that I am valuable because I can save the day. Because I can make people money. And now here I was costing people money. Now here I was taking money out of the pockets of the people who I so wanted to help. And it killed me. It really mentally destroyed me. I tried to put on a happy face. I tried to forget about it. I tried to just move forward and work harder, but (sighs) there was no changing the fact that I wasn't making people money in that moment. And it was in my deepest, darkest moments, time when I've never been so sad and depressed and feeling unworthy, that I looked at myself and realized that the story I'd been telling myself for so many years didn't even make sense. It wasn't even logical. It was a story based in the logic of a 12-year-old girl. And it wasn't serving me. It wasn't serving my family. And it wasn't helping me to be the person God intended me to be. And it wasn't overnight, but in those rock bottom moments is when I decided to change my story to let go of the lies I've been telling myself, a story I had created myself, and create a new story. And I set out to work less and to serve other people with the intention of serving them, not trying to make them money. And I I set out to say no to most everything and yes to the things that really mattered and yes to the people who really mattered. And I stopped trying to work like a dog and out hustle everybody. And I started realizing that if I really, really wanted to take care of the people who mattered most, I needed not to give them money to spend. I had to give them my time. I had to spend my time with them. I had to literally mentally be present. And that meant I had to learn how to let go. I had to learn how to outsource. I had to learn how to empower others. I had to learn how to say, thank you so much for thinking of me, but unfortunately at this time I have to politely decline. I had to learn how to get serious about what work really did matter and what things I was taking on just because it fueled my ego, just because I wanted to feel valuable and worthy and realize that those things will never be satisfied. I had to realize that I was trying to live my purpose as opposed to what God intended my purpose to be. And I set out to do that 
with my husband's help, with the help of therapy, with the help of a lot of self-reflection and with the intention, fully aware that I would probably make a lot less money and that would be okay. And the irony of this story is we have never been more financially secure. We have never been more financially successful than we are today since making those changes. And the reason why I tell you that is because it allows me to serve other people and take care of people in a much different way, in a way that doesn't sacrifice my soul and the people who I care about, in a way that makes me feel fulfilled. I'm more than a paycheck. My value comes because I am a child of God. My value comes in abundance when I look into the eyes of my kids, when I spend time with my children, when I'm able to hold my husband's hand, when I know I'm doing right by the people who matter most. I had to learn to say no to most everything. I had to learn how specifically to evaluate each and every opportunity so that the things that I said yes to actually moved us forward, but forward with a purpose. Today, I challenge you to take a look at the stories you've been carrying forward perhaps since your own childhood and ask yourself, am I the hero of the story? Do I like the way the story is going to end? Does this story inspire other people? What is the moral of my story? And when you have those answers, if you're not completely satisfied with them, if it doesn't make you proud, if it doesn't want to make you stand from the rooftops and know that you're living your purpose, then I'm telling you, it's time to rewrite your story, the story that inspires others, the story where you are the hero, the story where your past, your challenges, the things you've had to overcome now make sense because they're there to help someone else. Story is powerful. I hope that you will remember my story and in it, you will see your own and that you too will decide to rewrite your own and to do things not because of your ego, not because of recognition, not because it makes you feel more worthy or valuable, but because it is God's purpose, because it is the right thing to do, because it serves your family and the people who you love. Because if you're doing things to be recognized by others, if you are doing things so that people will see you as more important, more relevant, more popular, more significant, I can tell you that story does not end well. There's no end to that story. Thank you for listening to mine. Now it's time to rewrite yours. I love you. This episode has been sponsored by CourageousConfidenceClub.com. It's a club that I've created specifically to help people who struggle with confidence and insecurities and social settings and, and just standing up for themselves, being yourself and feeling good about it all of us could benefit from having more confidence. I'd love for you to just experience a taste of it. So please be my guest by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips. Now, if you don't feel like writing that web address down or remembering to go there later, all you have to do is while you're listening from your phone, send me a text message. The number is 949-565-4337 and that is for U.S. residents, then just send me the word confidence and I will send you access to this video. This video will help you to eliminate self-doubt and just feel more confident in any situation, whether it's work or personal or just your social interactions. 
every one of us can benefit from having more confidence. There you'll submit your email address and I will immediately send to your inbox my latest training video where I teach you step-by-step how to feel more confident in just about any social setting. I think you'll find this incredibly useful, whether it's business or personal or just in your everyday interactions. Confidence is something that makes life easier. It helps you to raise more confident, self-efficient children. It allows us to speak our mind, to stand up for ourselves, to do the things that otherwise we are paralyzed by fear and we just allow our own thoughts to stop us. By learning how to overcome self-doubt and fear of success, you can become that confident person that others are attracted to. The person you want to be, the person you deserve to be, the person you know is inside of you. So thank you for checking out my free tools by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips.